Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Well, we uh, started a, a series last week, and you know, I've, I've wrestled with the, the, the word this week, you know, labored in the word, I guess is what they call it, you know, as the, what do you say in the last week? What do you say when you're getting to go from one place to the next? Well, here's the series that we're on. We called it Recalculating. And we get this phrase. We actually get it from Garmin Industries. And, and you know, I, I talked about how that, that uh, you know, years ago, I remember is actually when my dad went to heaven. And, and we made it, we, the first time I ever used one, it is we, we brought it on a trip to go down for a funeral. And, and we got out of the airport and got in the rental car, and I said, all right, we're going to try out this Garmin. And what word I became familiar with, you know, very quickly was this word recalculating. And, and this is how they gave me direction. And, and what I found, you know, it kind of irritated me, I must say, you know, hearing that word and that little voice, you know, and, and, and uh, in any case... I went to a silent version now. I don't have that voice talking to me. But, um, but what I found is that in life, many times, that's, that's what happens to me. I'm walking along trying to follow the plan of God, but sometimes I, I get off track, and what, what happens is God has to give me the old recalculating. And, you know, don't freak out about that word because it's not such a tough thing. All you do is you adjust your path. And, and as, as I've gone through life... It isn't always just a straight shot, but sometimes there's, there's, there's a lot of adjusting that I have to make to keep on the road. You know what I'm talking about? I wanted to say this, and, and, and don't ever you know, think different, is no matter where you're at today, you can always recalculate and get into the plan of God. No matter where you're at, man, you might have been going the wrong way for 40 years. And I'm telling you what, you can recalculate and you can get on the path and go the right way. Maybe you've just taken a small waiver off the path. You know, isn't that what we do a lot of times? We're just, we're just, we're trying our best, but boy, we get off a little bit. Took a rest stop I shouldn't have. I don't know, something, you know, if it's me on a trip, you know, I am the, I'm worse than any kid. I want to stop all the time for rest stops. If I'm, not, if I'm not having to go to the bathroom, I'm wanting to get goodies. That's what trips are about, you know? That's what it's about. I'm the biggest kid there. I have my little niches that I have only for vacation. That I, don't, I, I, you know, I, can, I eat pretty well normally, but on vacation, glory to God. Let the Twinkies roll, yeah. But, but, but no. <laughs> All right, I got two portions of scripture I want to look at to begin this morning. In Numbers 21, to me, this is a familiar portion of scripture. I've seen a lot of things in this over the years. God's spoken to me over the years in this portion of scripture. The other place we're going to turn when we're done with this is 1 Corinthians 10. But in Numbers 21, I'm going to just read both of these and then I'll comment, maybe. It says, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people which was much discouraged because of the way. Now, were these bad people? No, they were just normal people. You know what? Every one of us can get discouraged in life, you know? But just don't let discouragement rule you. Don't let discouragement dictate to you, okay? So these people got discouraged, and they didn't do the right thing. 
And, and it says they began to speak against God and against Moses. And they said, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this light bread. I mean, anything that you eat over and over again, I'm sure you can get tired of it, but it was provision. Do you, you ever just like can't have something like on a diet? You know, Dana and I went on this diet or this lifestyle like um, a few months back. What? And, 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 and you know, it, it was eliminating these grains and things. And, you know, I don't even think about that normally. But I'm telling you what, my body would wake me up in the night wanting Wonder Bread and things, things I don't even eat, you know, grains. You know, and I remember then we found this, this, this blogger that, that had all these recipes that fit with, with our lifestyle. And, 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 and it showed us how to make bread without using like the normal grains. And I was like, wow. I, I tell you what, I made a loaf of bread. I did. I made a loaf. And I was so excited. I mean, I made this bread. And I went down. I got some, some turkey and some tomatoes and lettuce. And man, I tell you, I made myself a sandwich Whoa, I don't know if I've ever enjoyed a sandwich more. Just because I'd been in that time where I didn't have it, but then, then I had it. So, you know, these people, they were, you know, they were like me. They're like anybody. They just, they, you know, but the problem is they complained. You know, you can have a lot of things your body tells you and your mind tells you, but, but be careful what comes out of your mouth because that can get you and me in trouble. As, as, you know, if, if you've heard me preach more than once, you can see how what comes out of my mouth can get me in trouble, you know, but, but I'm working at it. It says, and then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. And therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray to the Lord that he take away these serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. God bless Moses. And he said, And the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it'll come to pass that everyone that's bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. All right, so that's an amazing story, you know. I mean, the devil got in, serpents came in. You know, I've given this many times that if you look at, you know, Greek or Hebrew scholars like Robert Young, you know, you may not know this, but Robert Young is a, a very well known Hebrew scholar, written. Uh, several books. One was interpretation of, of Hebrew, and, and uh, he wrote a concordance, you know, and it was rightly called the Young's Concordance. Imagine that, huh? You know? And it was very much like a Strong's, but it had a little different filing system in it. Uh, and I kind of dug it. I do dig it. But anyway, Robert Young said that when, when it talks here about um, that the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, he says something that people don't understand when they read that, that is there's, there's tenses in the Hebrew. And, and the tense that's used here is not the causative tense, but it is the permissive tense. And even though the King James Bible, which I read a lot, it, it, it translates it and it says the Lord caused these fiery serpents to come upon the people, it should really more accurately be, be translated that he permitted it. You know, there's things that get permitted in this life that aren't the will of God. Okay, you know, it was never the will of God that these people be bit by serpents or that, that all this chaos would happen. You know, the will of God was that they would have marched out of Egypt and gone right into the promised land. But there were obstacles that people brought about themselves. And, and, and even with all that, God gave redemption. Because one thing is, man, God is absolutely wild and he is in love 
with each one of us. It is so, that just blows my mind. I'm telling you, if there's anything I just want to wrap my head around, you know, it's his presence and, and just the fact that God loves me. You know, when we were in, um, in where did we go? New York. We went to New York for our daughter, our youngest daughter's wedding just about three weeks ago. And, and when I was, uh, we flew down there on a Tuesday. She was getting married on Thursday. And, you know, we were getting ready. You know, how do you know that, you know, when it's your daughter, you just, you know, we pretty much just showed up. But even still, you just don't just show up at the wedding. There's things to do. You know, anyway. So we get down there on, on Tuesday. And I started having these, like, alarming symptoms in my body. You, you ever have alarming symptoms? Just pains that were like, oh. <gasps> And I didn't tell anybody. I was like, you know, that's how I roll. You know, I just don't. I didn't tell Dana. I just kind of was like going about my business. But I talked to God about it. I talked to God about it. And I mean, I tell you, the devil was telling me all kinds of stuff. He was telling me stupid thoughts. Thoughts like, well, you're not going to even make it to the wedding. You know, you're going to, you're going to, they came for a wedding, they'll have a funeral. I mean, this is, these are thoughts that come to people's heads. Crazy. You laughing at me? <laughs> These are thoughts that come. And, you know, I started, you know, I, I had my, my iPad, and I was reading a book. I was reading a book. Uh, Joseph Prince was actually one of his books. And I just was, was just reading it really slowly and just trying to feed on it. And, and so one thing I read in there was that, that how we all need to come to a better uh, understanding of God's love. And, and I said, oh, amen, that's me. You know, I need to do that. And, and Joseph said this. He said, he said, if you don't think you need to, to correct your, your, your believing when it comes to how much God loves you, he says, when was the last time you were afraid? Or when was the last time you had any anxiety? And I said, oh, yeah, I need to correct my believing in that God is intensely in love with me because I've had some thoughts of, of, of that weren't right coming into my mind. So I, I saw this, and, and part of it kind of made me go, yeah, because I realized, well, even Joseph Prince needed to correct his believing a little bit, you know, and just make his mind come in line. You know, he's a human being just like all of us. Right. Billy Graham, he's a human being like all of us. Kenneth Copeland, he's a human being running his race like all Moses is a human being that was running his race just like all of us. So what I did, you want to know what I did? For the next probably 36 hours, every chance I got, every waking moment I could, I just purposely made my mind think about how much God loved me. I made my mind think. All this stuff is going on around me, you know, and every now and then I'd have these, oh, yeah, and anyway, but I said, oh, God loves me, man. He is just, you know, and I talked to myself. I talked to my, I write out loud, you know, when no one's around. You know, I try not to do that you know, in public. But, but when I'm just by myself, I'll talk to myself and I'll say, Paul, man, God just is so wildly in love with you. His, he would never hold back his power from you because you're his favorite. You know what? You're his favorite too. Amen. But you know what? I'm his favorite as well. And I, I just, I would talk to myself like this. And you know, as time went by, as the hours went by, I wasn't like trying to do a work, like trying to earn something, but I was just bringing my conscious you know, thoughts up a notch to think about the love of God. And you know what? Every pain, every abnormal thing that was trying to come against me, it just went, phew, just went away. 
I don't even know when it went because honestly, I quit thinking about it. I was thinking about God's love. And, and it just, you know, and everything went cool. We were smooth. It was nice. All right, 1 Corinthians 10. Did you all turn there? Got a chunk I want to read. And, and he said this. Paul was talking here, inspired by the Holy Ghost. He said, moreover, brethren, I would not that you'd be ignorant. Isn't that good that Paul didn't want us to be ignorant? The Holy Ghost didn't want us to be ignorant. You know, there's some things in life we just don't want to be ignorant about. You know, you could get in trouble. You could get hurt. Now, would God love you if you're ignorant? Yeah, he loves you. He loves me when I'm ignorant. But I'm telling you what, there's things in life that we can enjoy if we can just get some understanding here. It says, how our, all our fathers were under the cloud and they passed through the sea. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the children of Israel leaving Egypt on their way to the promised land. You know, they, they, they were under the cloud and they passed through the sea. And it says they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they did all eat the same spiritual meat. And they drank the same spiritual drink. And they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. He goes on. He says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Well, that's a bummer. But now these things were, were there. They're written. They're, they're given to us as examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted, nor be idolaters as some of them, or as it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Ow. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted, and they were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of you them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Ouch. Bummer. Now, all these happen. Here's what I wanted to read. All, I read all that just to get up to verse 11. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him, the, he that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. So, you know what? It would be foolish for us to ignore history. If you ignore history, you're going to walk down the same bad paths that other people have. Now, the thing about this section of Scripture that we read is this. This is what stood out to me pertaining to where we're at. Is that these people, the children of Israel who it's talking about, these people were living the dream. These people, you know, had come out of slavery. They'd come out of, out, of, uh, out of Egypt where the life was bad. I'm telling you what, they were living under torment. And, and, and it says that, that as they, they, they went on their way, it says that they even, even with the provision of God on their life, they still found time to grumble and to complain. And in doing so, it opened up a whole you know, can of worms, snakes in this condition that they didn't have to deal with, but they did because they, they were ignorant. Well, you know, they were, they were living the dream. They, were, they had Egypt behind them. They had the promised land before them. These people were walking in the will of God. Isn't that amazing? You know what the Lord said to me is he says that sometimes when you're walking in the will of God, it doesn't feel like you thought it would. You know? 
You know, you sit back and you dream. I bet you these people, when they were in Egypt, I bet there were days they just, they're back there, you know, they're on in the, the work fields, you know, and they're, they're probably getting whipped and they're sweating and, you know, barely eating anything, you know. I bet you they just, their minds would go, I mean, did your mind ever go to the rapture? You ever, you ever some days you go, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus, you know, you know, before five o'clock would be great, you know, I mean, you know, you ever had those thoughts? I'm sure these people sat there and thought about, you know, getting out of the place they're in. And, oh, man, could it be that the Lord would send a deliverer who would take us from this place of torment into the promised land? Could it be? And then they're living the dream. They're walking out the very thing that was like just, you know, it was so far out there in their thinking even. You know what happens when you're living the dream a lot? I remember one time Dana and I were driving down a road. We were, we were way back, like Elmwood, I think, or somewhere, you know. And we are driving through the countryside. And I got to tell you, man, appreciate Wisconsin. We have some beautiful days right now. It is gorgeous in this land. And, I mean, for years, you know, we lived in Minneapolis, and it was a good place there. But I remember God put a, a dream in our heart, you know. I, you don't, I didn't even know it was God at first. All I knew is I started loving the country. I loved getting away from the city, you know. And I remember one day we were, we were, we were working, Dana and I, and we were driving through, I think it was Elmwood, just enjoying, you know, looking out there. And you were, we're, I kind of was on a mission, to be honest. And Dana nudged me, you know, like she does sometimes. And she says, Paul, we're living the dream. We're living the dream. I looked around. I said, you are right. We are. We're living the dream. You can get so caught up with doing, doing, doing that you forget to thank God that you're living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. So, so anyway, these people, these people were right in the middle of the dream. And you know what? They got whooped. They never achieved the ultimate dream that God intended for them. Did God intend them to enter in the promised land? Absolutely he did. Absolutely he did. He planned for every one of them to come in. The truth is, out of the whole bunch of them, not even Moses got in. It was only Joshua and Caleb, and then all the younger generation that went in. Why? Because they got stuck in a rut. Why? Because they got overtaken by wrong thinking. And they got overtaken by wrong speaking. And they died in the wilderness. Tell you one thing, I don't, I don't want to die in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let me read you just a couple things. Now, let me tell you this first. There's not one person, not one person living, not one person that, that, that ever has lived that is exempt from the pressures of this world. Do you hear me? Everyone has pressures. Everyone. You look around, I mean, it's always easy to see our pressure, and it's hard to see the other people's pressure most of the time. You know, and I, I often likened it to this, you know, as you, have you ever driven a car on a windy day? And I mean, you are struggling to keep your car on the road. You ever been there like that? I mean, them winds that come... You ever drove through Iowa? Huh? You know, where's that one place in Iowa they have a whole field of windmills? 
And, and, you know, I mean, Dane and I have made many trips through Iowa, and I remember coming on those roads sometimes, and, man, the wind is whipping so hard. You feel like, my goodness, my car is going to be airborne, you know? And, and for some reason, it's always going to blow me sideways. It isn't like the wind's going to take me and whew, I'm going to be, you know, 100 miles down the road where I want to go, you know? I feel like it's going to whip me sideways into this place that kind of looks to me like the twilight zone where, where all these windmills are. I don't know if you've had that thought before, but I, I have, and, and that's how my mind thinks. But, but anyway, I've been driving down those roads and just doing like, like white knuckle in it, you know? Your, your knuckles are white, and your toes even curl a little bit because there's so much pressure, you know? You're like, ooh, I've got to keep this. And then you look around at everybody else on the road, and it looks like they're drinking pop and you know, eating, eating hostess cupcakes and stuff, you know? And it doesn't look like they're having any problem at all. It's all perspective. It's from where you're looking at, you know? Everybody has pressures. Everybody has winds that blow against their car, against their life. And here in Psalm 34, it says this in 19. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. See, that's why we can never lose this thought that God is with us and God is there to deliver us, to set us free, to take us to the place that we desire and He desires us to go. So I'm going to talk about two things before we receive communion. And communion is all about what I'm talking about. Jesus told us to do this to get our minds straight. What did He say? He said, remember, do this to remembrance of me. Well, I remember Jesus what would Jesus do? I had a little bracelet, you know, all that stuff. I mean, what would you, well, I want to remember that, you know, God loves me intensely. So much that when I was in trouble, you know, when I am in trouble, and he, you know, all the things he could perceive and that I'd be have happen and whatever, the pressures, he sent Jesus to take my place, to make me free. Two things we can talk, we can, we can take this morning. One is we want to have right thinking. In Isaiah 26.3, I, I, I borrow this phrase from my wife, Dana, because she, she said this. I remember when we were first married, she used to talk to me like this. She says, says there's times in life, Paul, where you just got to cattle rope your mind. You know what that means, to cattle rope your mind? Did you ever go to a rodeo? I've been to a couple. I've been to a couple, mostly when I was younger, and they're pretty cool. You know, these guys get out on their horses. They do a lot of different things. They ride bulls, and there's clowns and stuff, and all this kind of, you know, entertaining things that you can see. But one of the things that's really important at a rodeo is these guys come out on horses, and they've got ropes, and they can make these lassoes, you know, and they go chasing after these little calves, you know? Little calf, man, it runs like the wind. And these, 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 these cowboys come out on these horses with ropes and stuff, and they, they twirl the ropes around their head really fast, and then they let them go, much better than I could. And they, they actually catch these calves. And then the next thing you know, these cowboys, they hop off their horse, and they, they take these calves, and they throw them on the ground, and they take another rope, and they go around their legs, and they, them, cap, them calves are just immobile. Isn't that interesting? Well, Dana used to say this to me. She says, you know, Paul, sometimes in life you just got to cattle rope your mind. Because your mind will, mind will just want to shoot out, man, like the wind and, and think all kinds of stuff that, that just go out of control. 
But, but what we need to do is, is take our little ropes and lasso them, pull them down and bring them under subjection and say, listen, mind, this is the way you're going to think. You hear me? Mind, you're not in charge here anymore. Tell you what, you've been thinking all these thoughts, things that you want to think I'm telling you, mind, we're going to think the way I'm telling you to think right now. That's how we got to be. Well, that seems pretty arrogant. No, that's not arrogant. That's, what, that's doing what the Bible says. The reason some people, you know, live in depression is because they've, they haven't mastered this thing. And honestly, none of us have mastered it. We're all working at it. But I'm telling you what, God will help us. God will help us. And, and I'm telling you what, this is such a key to living in victory. It's such a key to obtaining the promises of God that he has for us. I'm telling you what, all things have been given to us, man. Jesus made the way for everything. But sometimes walking through this, this unredeemed world that we're in, things can trip us up. And that's why they wrote this stuff in Corinthians. They said, man, listen, listen to what these guys had happened, what they did and how they handled the pressures of life. And let's learn from it so that we can you know, not be like them, but we can be like the Joshua's and Caleb's that go in and get, they go for the gusto. You know, they go for all of it. They take it in. Isaiah 26, 3, it's a great scripture. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Wow, isn't that, that amazing? Perfect peace. You, do you want perfect peace in your life? I want some perfect peace. I want to I live in that place where, man, I'm not rattled by the things that come up around me. And, and I'm telling you, man, the devil is like a, a burglar. You know, I, I'm not speaking from a lot of experience here, but you know what burglars will do if they're trying to uh, break into a house? They look for the place of least resistance to get in. You know, this is what I've heard. And they'll go around and, you know, you know if, if the front door looks like Fort Knox, that's probably not the, the entrance they're going to look for. But what they'll do is they'll go around and they'll shake the doors and, the windows a little bit. They're looking for a way to get in. They're looking for the breakdown. What do we do? We keep our minds stayed on him. He'll keep us in perfect peace. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. You with me this morning? You know, I'm preaching to me. Do you know that? I'm preaching to me. I may look like my car is going down the road and I'm eating Twinkies and stuff, man, but I'm telling you what, I, I'm doing my best to keep it on the road too. Thoughts come to my mind too. You know, my, things try to rattle my cage as well. And so what I'm telling you, I'm telling me, is I'm going to keep my mind on Jesus. I'm going to watch the thoughts that, that somehow try to sneak into my head. And I tell you, you'll never get so spiritual. You know, oh, you know, I remember getting born again, you know, back in the 70s. And I worked in a Christian organization when I first got saved for, for, for quite a while, actually. And, and uh, there were people there that had been saved longer than me, for sure. And I remember just being like two months old in the Lord. And I was just, just a baby, but I was, man, I was on fire. I was a long-haired hippie freak that was on fire for God. You know, and, 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 and uh, you know, I walked around with a smile on my face all day because I was just so happy that, that God loved me and Jesus loved me and that he was living in me. And, and, and uh, 
I remember though that I remember, I remember one time in particular, somebody, I was talking to him, I said, so this is one of my questions I'd throw at people. So how long have you been saved? You know, and I'd just sit there and listen because it was interesting to me. And this one woman I was talking to, she says, well, I've been saved for seven years. And to me, that was eternity. I thought, seven? You've been saved for seven years? Wow, that's so cool. And I just somehow I thought, wow, it's amazing. Seven years born again. Here I'm only two months, you know. Wow. They've just got to be so mature. Let me, let me just sit at your feet and hear the wisdom that comes out of your mouth, you know. Ah, come on. I'm telling you what, though. I don't care how spiritual you get, how, how mature you get, you know, how old you get in, in the Lord, as long as we're here on this earth. I'm telling you what, you're going to have to watch your mind. You're going to have to watch the thoughts that come into your head. Because the devil is mean, he's sneaky, and he'll try to throw things at you when you least expect it. He'll try to come in at any avenue he can to put dumb thoughts in your head. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says this. So we, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So Paul, man, he's just laying out the same thing I'm talking about here. He's saying, guys, I mean, this is the battle we're in. The battle we're in, you know, on planet Earth is fought between our ears, you know, and it's how we think. So as we're on our way, we've left Egypt, and, and let me just make this point clear. This building that we're in this morning, in my mind, is not Egypt. This has been a good place, and I'm nothing but thankful to God for the opportunity to have met here, you know, for the last, you know, whatever it's been, eight, eight plus years. And to see the good things that God has done, he's provided month after month and, you know, year after year and, and brought us through good times and, and hard times, and, but he's been faithful. Amen. He's been faithful and, and he'll do nothing different in the days to come. You know, I remember just looking even, even at this place and thinking, how's it going to work? You know, anybody remember that? Jane Strong probably remembers some of them. Remember the first week we were in this place, Jane? Man, we were flying all over trying to get things ready for having service. You know, God was faithful. He's good. He's so good. So, you know, this place isn't in Egypt, you know. But I'm telling you what, there's good days ahead. And honestly, the next, the building that we're moving into isn't the promised land. <laughs> it's just a building. It's just a building. And, you know, I don't want to be awed by some building I want to be awed by God. He's the one we serve. He's the one who's king of kings and lord of lords. So, read you a couple more scriptures and then we're going to take communion this morning. Uh, Psalm 34.3 is, is, is an amazing one. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. How do you magnify God? How do you mag, mag, what does a magnifying, what does a magnifying glass do? Has anybody ever used a magnifying glass? You know, and you know, you, you use that thing and it makes something bigger. Well, God doesn't get any bigger. You know, he's already big, you know. But what, you, what, what, what he's talking about here is magnifying the Lord is allow God to be bigger in your thinking. Yeah. Don't think small, think big. 
and, and let God invade every, every cavern of your brain. You know, let him, let him take over and let him just invade those spaces where the devil's lied to you and told you you can't do it, told you you're not good enough, told you that, that you know, God doesn't love you. Let God's word in there. Let it in there to straighten out wrong thinking. Amen. Hallelujah. Number two, the thing that, that we're going to do and we're going to apply to our life as we march into God's promises for us, God's provision for us, is we're going to put watches on our tongues. Say, yeah. yeah. Psalm 141.3, this is what the psalmist said. He said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Now, that's an interesting way to put, put it, you know, keep the door of my lips. In other words, there's, there's, the door is something that you know, allows things in and keeps things out. And this psalmist is saying, Lord, I need help. Help me here. Because it's one thing to have wrong thoughts, but it's a whole new level to take wrong thoughts and make them into words. You know, when you've when you're, when you're got thoughts in your head, one man said it like this, thoughts unspoken die unborn. Hmm. What do you think of that? So, you know, you can have thoughts in your head that are defeating, but when they escape your head through your mouth, they have greater impact. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. He said, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. Paul said, this is how faith works. This is how faith works. You know something? Faith works in a certain way, and fear works the same way. Fear works the same way. How does fear work? Fear works like this. You believe something, and you speak it. You believe something, and you speak it. What you believe escapes the door of your lips, like the psalmist said, Lord, help me. Put a watch on my tongue. Help me keep the door of my lips. You know what? If any of us are going to make any progress in this arena, we're going to need the Lord's help. We're going to need Him to help us. But it's so important that we grasp this and, and live this. So, fear works like this. You believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. But Paul said, this is how faith works. This is how you release the power of God in your life. This is how you release the power of God in the situation that you're facing. You believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. You believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. That's the Bible way of dealing with this world that we live in. Hallelujah. There's, it's very important two things. One, you have it in your heart. And then, too, you speak it with your mouth. Kenneth E. Hagan, he said this. He said that the door to the supernatural swings on two hinges. You know, how many hinges does your door swing on? Well, Hagan said the door to the supernatural swings on two hinges. One is you believe things in your heart. And two, you speak them things with your mouth. Wow, is that how it works? Amazing, isn't it? Paul said the same thing.
He said, believing it in your heart and speaking it with your mouth. Now, I'm not going to read these scriptures, but in James chapter 3, he talks about the story of the horse and how they put a bit in its mouth. And that bit, even a small bit in a horse's mouth can control the horse and make it go anywhere the rider wants it to go. How is it? By putting pressure on the tongue. Then he goes on, he tells another example. He says, you got a ship, a big ship. You know, I've seen big ships before. And, 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 and he says this, even though a ship is so big, he says a small rudder can turn that ship any way it wants to go. Well, the rudder, again, in James, what he says is the rudder is your tongue. Your tongue. You got something that's so big you don't know how to move it? Well, your tongue is where you go. You know, a, a horse, a horse is, is, a, is a living, breathing, uh, you know, thing. It's, it's, it's not a human, but it's an animal. It has feelings. It has emotions. And James says the same thing that works on a living, breathing creature is the same thing that works on, a, on an inanimate object like a boat. You got a horse and a boat. A horse has feelings. Do you know that? Horses have feelings. I've, I've offended a few horses, I think. And, and, and I try not to, because they're bigger than me. But, but you, know, you know, Dana's done the same thing. You know, I've watched her do it, too. But, uh, but you know, they say you just put a little, enough pressure on a horse on their tongue, and even though they have all these feelings and emotions, they'll obey you. And, and, and a ship, as big as it is, if you can get the rudder going the way you want it to, you know, it, it'll go in the direction you desire. Acts 27, verse 25, Paul said this. In the middle of a storm, Paul said this. He said this. He said, sirs, be of good cheer. Now, this, this, the situation they're in is they're in the middle of a storm, and their ship is sinking. Now, it's one thing to be on the, the Lido deck of the cruise liner, you know, sitting in the sun, you know, drinking lemonade, and, and say, be of good cheer, everyone. Be of good cheer. Now, Paul's on a boat that's falling apart, and the storm is raging, and Paul stands up in the middle of them all, and he says, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It'll be even as it was told me. What did God tell him, told him? He says, you'll not lose one person. You'll not lose one person. So Paul declared this in the middle of the chaos. He spoke something that was just like mind-boggling. I'm telling you what, as we go into the, the, the realms ahead, as we go in the adventures that God has before us, let's keep our thinking straight, and let's keep our tongues on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Anything else I want to say here? Yeah, I'm going to say this. Hebrews, there's more I want to say, but I don't want to go too long today. Hebrews chapter 12 uh, verses 1 through 3. I just want to, this is really the, the summing up of what I'm talking about today. You know, as we go forward in life, as we go forward individually, as we go forward as a church body, this is what I want to say. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run our race with patience. Uh, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. 
Now, I don't want to be wearied, and I don't want to faint in my mind. And here's what I'm going to do, and what I'm suggesting to all of us, is that wherever we're at today, let's consider Jesus. Amen. Let's consider Him in our lives. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry, or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.